We're going to look at the life of Moses uh, in brief. Remember that what we're looking at in Hebrews chapter 11 is we're looking at everything that is by faith. It is by faith. Everything we're looking at and every great exploit uh, is by faith. And we need to understand that faith is really that attitude of mind and heart that sees that God is in charge of everything and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So I'm understanding, first of all, that God is, that he's in charge of it all. And then he is a rewarder. As I seek him and as I follow him, he brings blessing in my life. And that's the attitude of faith that all these people had. And all these people were expecting rewards. We're going to see that for Moses too, but they were expecting rewards. They weren't doing it for nothing. They weren't doing it just because it was the right thing to do. Uh, They were doing it expecting that God would bless them, that God would take care of them because they, uh, they made choices of faith. We're going to look at some choices that people made today, uh, Moses' parents and then Moses. Um, we're going to just think about these, these choices they made and, and, and how they made them and why they made them. And I think we'll be able to fit ourselves into the picture and see that, yeah, Moses is one of the greats of all time. He's a great leader. He's the lawgiver. He had his flaws. He was just like us. And what Moses really had going for him, what made his life so exceptional, was this little thing we call faith. He trusted God. All right, let's bow for prayer and then we'll begin. Father, would you bless us this morning? We thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for uh, the blessing it is to us. Thank you that we have a God in whom we can trust. Thank you that we have a God who's in control and a God who rewards. And Lord, we do look to you today now for a blessing, Lord. We've come today to seek your face, so would you bless us? Help us to see you. Help us to know you. Have mercy, Lord, in these moments. In Jesus' precious name, amen. All right. Hebrews 11, 23 through 26. Hebrews 11, 23 through 26. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasure in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. All right. First point we need to look at is this, and it's not actually Moses' faith at this point at all. It's actually his parents' faith, Amram and Jochebed. Um, they had faith. Uh, and it says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months uh, of his parents because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Uh, now, it says he was a proper child. He was an exceedingly fair child, the book of Acts tells us. But there's more to it than that. You see, Moses uh, was born into a day and age where, when it was terribly dark for the nation of Israel. They were at the end of their time uh, in Egypt. Uh, they were the off-scourings of the earth by that time. These people wanted, uh, needed them, but hated them, and were afraid of them, afraid that they would uh, side with an enemy and overtake them. And so uh, they put them in cruel bondage, in bitter bondage. Uh, They were slaves with no lives of their own, with no hope of freedom, with no hope of anything. And then to add to their problems, because the Pharaoh of the day was afraid that they were going to actually take over, he decided, we'll kill all the um, male children. And that was the law. The law was every 
male Israelite was to die. Can you imagine the pain uh, that caused in homes? Can you imagine the, the awfulness, the darkness, the, <clears throat> just the, uh, they, they were effectively living in a, in a work camp, uh, uh, slave labor, working in a work camp, and they had no hope. They had nothing to look forward to. They were just going to live lives of drudgery and die. Except Moses' parents had something more going on. They had a boy child born, and <clears throat> when this boy child was born, they, they looked at him and they said, something special about this kid. Something wonderful about this kid. There's hope. There's, there's, there's promise in this child. There's a God in heaven. And he rules in the affairs of men, and he's going to reward his people. He's going to take care of us. He is going to work in our lives and our hearts. And, and hope rose in their hearts. And so they were willing to go against the king's commandment, and for three months they kept their baby alive. For three months they hid him, fearing that when he cried they would be caught, and, and um, not only the baby, but they would lose their lives. Uh, but knowing that there was something going on here, I, who knows, maybe Jochebed thought, thought, I wonder, I wonder will my boy lead us free from this place? I wonder, will my boy be the, be the answer to our cry and our prayer to God? Will he be the one that will take in and use us? Isn't it wonderful when you look at a baby? Uh, the promise there is in a baby. Now, I know everybody says babies are beautiful, right? I have to come at this from a man's perspective. I don't think babies are beautiful, right? Now, I will tell you your baby's beautiful if you have a baby, because that's what you need to hear. But really, babies are squished up little bundles of, uh, of all kinds of things. Now, about six months... They start laughing and smiling, and they start getting exciting, and, uh, and I enjoy them then. But Jochebed could look at her baby, and it, I don't think it was just the look of the baby. I think there was a hope in her heart of a greater day, of a better day. The hope in her heart that God was going to do something. And <clears throat> so by faith, in the darkness, in the misery, in the awfulness of that day, that age, that life that they live, by faith... Her and her husband hid this baby boy. By faith, they, they sought for something better. They sought for something greater. Now, I don't think they knew. God rarely sends us a game plan. Okay, well, I'll tell you, you, you hide him for three months, and then after three months, uh, I'm going to take him. He's going to be taken by Pharaoh's daughter. She's going to raise him, uh, and eventually I'm going to make him the leader. I don't, I don't think she knew that. I don't think they knew that. They just knew there was something and there was a God in heaven who was in charge and, and they were following what God laid before them. Do you know that's what faith is? Faith is following God when you can't see. Faith is following God when it's dark. Faith is like living in a fog. Ori was telling me the, Friday, uh, they were visiting some friends and they came on Friday evening, they came across Sally Gap and he said, uh, you couldn't see six feet in front of you. So they're driving along in their car, they're coming over the hill, and, and they can't see anything. And if you've ever been in that situation, it's pretty terrifying, right? Uh, well, his kids weren't helping, right? Uh, one is sitting in the back of the car, Rose is saying, yeah, let's hold hands, because if we're holding hands and we go over the edge, it won't hurt as much, right? And that's not really not what you want to hear from your kid. And another is saying, yeah, it doesn't matter, even if we all die, we're going to heaven. <laughs> you know, so they're getting pretty grim about it, and getting pretty terrible about it. But Ori is driving through this fog, and he can only see six feet in front of him. Right. Do you know that so often that's what life is like for us? 
We can only see a few feet in front of us. We don't know what's going on. Now, and we're liable to think that all there is is this six feet in front of us. All there is is what we can see. And people make choices based upon, well, look, you know what? All I can see is six feet. Therefore, there's only six feet. And they make choices based upon that. But there's not. There's a big, broad, wide, open country of blessing from God out there that you can't see, but he sees. And faith connects you with the one that can see it so that you make your choices based upon the reality of the rewards of God and the great things of God. And no matter how dark it looks, and it was dark for Amram and and Jochebed. It was dark. for it, It was a dark day. It was a hopeless day. It was a day when there was nothing to look forward to. It was a day when even they'd been crying out to God for a long time now. No answer. Nothing happened. But faith rose in their hearts and they said, maybe. Maybe God's going to take our boy. Maybe God's going to take our boy and do something great. There's something about this boy. And so they kept him for three months and when it came impossible to keep him any longer <clears throat> what they did was they put him in a little ark of bulrushes and they put him in the water and committed him into the hands of God not knowing where it would go or what would happen they didn't know that's faith that's putting it in the hands of the God who sees beyond the fog that you can't see beyond and of course we know the story we have the benefit of knowing many of the stories of the Bible times that the people involved in them didn't know Pharaoh's daughter hears the cry and picks the baby out of the, out of the water and, 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 and takes the baby as her own. And, of course, mom gets to be the nurse that feeds the baby. God has it all worked out. He's a plan. They couldn't see it. They didn't know. They were living in a fog. But God could see way beyond the fog. Maybe you're living in a fog today. Maybe you feel like there's no hope and there's no way forward. Listen, trust the one who can see beyond the fog and follow him. Do what he would have you do in the darkness. Because I, I, I guarantee you, <clears throat> when it comes to, uh, to, to the reality and the playing out of your life, you're going to find that trusting him is always best. It's always best because he knows. He has a plan. You can't see it. But he has a plan. How would, how would they have known Moses would become the lawgiver. He would become the man who stood between this nation and God. He would become the man who led this nation out of Egypt and destroyed Egypt in the process. How could they have known? How could they have known the great leader that was there? They didn't. They just knew God. And they were trusting God. They were trusting God to do something for their nation, and they thought, you know what? Just maybe. Just maybe our boy is that someone. Just maybe there's, there's something here that's going to change the whole picture. And he did. You know that your God can change the picture? He can change the picture anytime he likes. Let, let me throw another thought out to you here from, from uh, Moses' birth. The most natural thing in the world is to protect your baby and hide your baby, isn't it? says they did it by faith though they did it trusting that God had a bigger plan you know sometimes by faith is actually the natural thing the thing we would want to do anyway you see when it came to Abraham Abraham was asked to offer up Isaac that's unnatural isn't it who wants to do that that's that just 
That just is bad news from the beginning to the end as far as your heart is concerned. But that was by faith he was willing to do. Why? Because he saw a bigger picture. And by faith, these are willing to protect their child. Why? Because they saw a bigger picture. Do you know what faith is all about? You seeing a bigger picture. A picture you can't see, but there is a bigger picture. You know that you know there's a bigger picture because there's a bigger God. By faith, you can live in the darkness. By faith, you can survive the fog because, you know what? God knows what he's doing. And you're putting your hands in him. Are you struggling to understand it all? Are you struggling right now to try and work it all out and try and make it all happen and, and know how it should go together and, and, and have a plan and, and work that plan out? Listen, don't worry about the plan and working it all out. You just walk with God. And what you'll find is that God will walk you through the fog you're in at the moment and bring you out the other side of it, and you'll be amazed at what he's done. This dear couple came to see a day when their son was a king in the land, when their son was the one that led the, led the people forth. They came to see a great day, but in the darkness, in the fog, they didn't know. They were just making steps, depending upon God to lead their steps. And as they made steps, God opened up a way for them. God will open up a way for you too. God will lead you through the fog into a better day. Why? Because that's the kind of God he is. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You know, Amram and Jochebed never looked back and said, oh, it was such a bad day, the day we actually took Moses and and hid him because we put ourselves in such danger. They didn't. They followed God through that fog, and God worked it out, and it was a great day. So the first thing about Moses is that he survived by faith. Second thing is, Moses refused a kingdom by faith. See, Moses' life story is that he was taken into Pharaoh's household. Uh, He he became the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Some say he was in line for the throne. I suppose ultimately he would have been far from the... But he, he was in line for the throne. But he did have this. He had it all. He was part of the royal family. Acts 7.22 says that Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptian, and he was mighty in words and in deeds. But see what our passage says? By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I mean, he had it all. Why did he do that? Why did he sacrifice all that he had and refuse it and reject it? Josephus tells a story that when he was a little toddler, uh, somebody for fun put the crown on his head and, and he threw it from him. That's Josephus, it's not Bible. Uh, But that's effectively what Moses did at a certain point in his life. He took it all and he said, no, I don't want it. And he refused it, he rejected it. Why would you refuse it? Why would you reject that, all that? Let's think about us for a moment. Don't we have to come to a certain point where we reject the world in favor of God? Doesn't it have to come that day, that moment in your life when you say, look, I want Jesus. I want him. There has to come that place where we actually make a choice, where we choose. Let me talk to you young people for a moment here. You get raised in a Christian home, you get brought to church, you have family devotions, you have uh, parents that look out for you and watch over you, and they talk to you about God, and you have a wonderful start in life, but do you know there comes a day when you have to make a choice of your own? Absolutely nobody can make that choice for you. 
Your parents can't make that choice. If they would, if they could, they would. But they can't make that choice for you. If you're a young person, if there comes a point where you have to make a choice, you have to decide that I want him. You have to decide <clears throat> that it's him you're going to go after. You have to decide that, that he is worth it all. Essentially, to go back to our picture, you have to decide whether you're going to live in the fog all your life and that's all there is. Or whether you're going to say, no, there's a big, broad world out there and my God's going to lead me out into it and I'm going to, I'm going to follow him into it. You have to make a choice. Make a decision in your life at some point that you're going to choose him and not choose the world. That's what Moses did. He had every reason, every reason you can think of to choose Egypt. But he didn't. He chose God. We'd never have heard of Moses. He would have been a subscript of a subscript of a subscript on some hieroglyphic, uh, this baby that was taken out of the water. We'd never have heard of him. But one day, somehow, with all the choice he had around him, Moses said, no, I don't want it. I want God. I want the big picture. I want to walk by faith. I want to know him. I want to live with him. And he made a choice. Young person, there comes a day when you have to make a choice. Don't put it off too long. Don't we tend to do that? Yeah, some other day. Some of the time, some other place. Yeah, I'm probably going to come around to that decision someday, but you know what? You don't know how long you've got. You don't know what turns your life's going to take. And the choices you're making in the meantime are actually gearing you up for the life you're going to lead. Come all out for God. Choose Him above all of it. You see, <clears throat> the world can never satisfy. Oh, it promises it. Oh, it promises that, you know, if you had enough money, uh, if you had the right relationship, uh, if you had all the right fun in your life, if you had everything going on the way you wanted, then you'd be satisfied. You wouldn't. The world is an empty promise. It can't satisfy. Young people oftentimes go all out to find out that truth that it can't satisfy. And by the time they found out that truth... Much of life has passed by and decisions have been made that greatly hinder. Listen, choose him. Choose to walk with him. The world can never satisfy you. It's just not geared for it. God made it, and God made it so that it lacks. He made it so that it's attractive. He made it so that it promises. But he made it so that it lacks because he wants us to choose him. But he says, you got the free will. you got the choice. You choose. You decide what you want to do. <laughs> you decide which way you want to go with it. And he leaves the choice with us. Young person, have you come to that place where you've made a decision, where you've actually chosen? Where you've said, I want God. Yeah, your choice counts. God, God takes those choices we make and he treats them as being very real. And God will take and God will enter into your life and begin to work in your life and begin to help you. You say, but I can't see the way. I don't know. Yeah, you're in the fog right now. I understand that. I know. And God doesn't say he's going to show you all the way. But I guarantee you that if you'll choose him, you'll find him leading you through the fog and ultimately out of the fog. And he will bless your life and you will be happy that you did it. Don't make the wrong choice. 
Oh, the world screams. It says, this is all there is. What are you thinking about? This is all you can ever enjoy. This is where your happiness is. Don't, don't, don't be concerned about anything else. The world screams that to us, but it's wrong. There's so much more. And the people of God that we're looking at in Hebrews chapter 11, they're people that saw it and that realized it and that entered into it. You know, uh, we're going to read through Hebrews chapter 11, and then, then, then the next chapter is going to call them a great cloud of witnesses, people that have done it, that have shown you the way, and that say it's worth it. Don't miss it. There's much more than the fog that you live in today. There's a great wide open world that God has created. There's a heaven. There's, there's reward. There's blessing. Don't miss it. Don't settle for less. Don't be like the child who wouldn't go to the beach because they had no idea what a beach was and they, they wanted to play in their little sandbox. That's so often what we do. We want what we can see, what we have now, and we ignore the fact that there's so much more out there for us to have. These people didn't. They lived by faith and they realized it. You know, if Amran and Jochebed hadn't been people of faith, they'd never have taken the risks. They'd probably have let their baby go like so many other babies had gone. And they'd never have known the joys and the blessings that God had for them. And I fear sometimes for us that because we won't take the risk, because we won't step out there and trust God, we never come to know all the blessing that God has for us. We never come to know what it's like to live in a big, broad world with sun and blessing because we won't, by faith, step out and trust God. Next point, though, says more about Moses' choice. He chose affliction over the pleasures of sin for a season, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now, let's be honest about the world. Sin is pleasurable. It's fun. It's compelling. We wouldn't do it if it wasn't. We wouldn't be drawn to the world if it didn't have anything to offer. You know, we, we wouldn't be drawn. We're, we're not drawn to do things that, that, that um, <clears throat> are bad for us. You know, I don't know of anybody that ever gets addicted to, eat, to drinking castor oil. We don't like the taste of it, so you know, we don't drink that kind of stuff. But sin always has something that draws us. Something that's exciting, something that's interesting, something that brings pleasure, oftentimes great pleasure to us. And it, 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 it can make us feel like it's, it's all there is. The problem with it is it's only for a season. And we all know it. If you've lived any length on this planet, you know that sin ultimately, when it's finished, it does you harm, always. Never does you good. You know, <clears throat> you see the young people uh, watching other people <clears throat> stealing and making money and thinking, I could do that. I could make a lot of money. I could have a BMW. I could, I could. But they don't take into account the fact, the toll it has on somebody's life and the fact, the ruin and the, the wreck that it brings into somebody's life. Sin always does that. Sin always brings a wreck and a ruin into your life. It always hurts. And you see, God gives you this choice. He says to you, listen, will you trust me that I am God and I will reward you? Or, or, or will you choose the world and the sin that's ultimately going to hurt you? You choose. 
I want you to choose me, he says. I want you to love me because I love you, but I'm not going to make you. That would be of no value to make you. So he lets you choose. And so often people choose sin and they choose foolishness and they choose to live in the fog. They choose to live in the fog because that, 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 that's all there is. They, they choose that they're going to make their lives about the here and the now and that's all there is. And oh, listen, you, you've got eternity in your soul. You can't live for the here and now and be satisfied. You, you just can't do it. There's too much in you that God's put there. So Moses chose to suffer affliction. Now let's keep in mind, anything Moses wanted he could have. Houses, lands, palaces, they were his. But if he wanted more, he could have them. He's the grandson of the most powerful man on the planet. Anything he wants, he can have. Pleasure, anything he wants, he can have. Be pretty compelling, wouldn't it? Hope for the future, glory, it was all his. He could have all of it. He could enjoy all of it. He could exhaust all of it if he wanted. He could have it all. Sometimes I think, you know, our generation are faced with a choice like that because there's so much that our generation can have. So much fun, so much pleasure, so many things that our generation can enjoy. Uh, But Moses had it all. But he chose to suffer affliction with the people of God. Here he was. He was the higher classes. He was above the rich and the famous. He was above celebrity. And he chose an identity with a slave class. Now, don't get it wrong. Don't, don't, don't kind of uh, think he chose that because he, you know, he wanted to be one of the people. No, he chose that because they were God's people. And God was doing something with this nation. And God had a plan for this nation. And he was working something out. And Moses wanted to be part of it. Moses wanted to be part of it. He could look at all the glory of Egypt in the height of its glory. And he could say, I know, I know, that's pretty cool, that's amazing, I know that's wonderful, but look at these people. These are God's people. They're going somewhere. God's got a plan for this nation. He's going to do great things in this nation. And the glory of Egypt paled by comparison to the glory of what he saw in the people of God. You know what that takes? That takes faith. That takes you seeing the God who is real. That takes identifying yourself with the people of God means you've got to come to the place where you see it as being real. What is the church? The church is the people of God. Why would we identify ourselves with a church? Why would we become part of that people? Why would we forsake the world? Because that's the reality, you know. Uh, <clears throat> when you become a Christian, uh, the Bible says, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. There's going to be a reaction to you. There's going to be a, <clears throat> a day when people turn against you. Because why would we do that? We would do it because the church is God's people and God's doing something and God's going somewhere. And God's taking his people somewhere. Don't don't just do it as a matter of course. Understand. God's got a plan. God's working things out. 
God's doing a great work even in our day and age. And when you choose to identify yourself with the people of God rather than with the people of the world, you're making the wise choice. You're making the good choice. You're making the choice to to do the best thing. So many people just choose the here and now. They only see the six feet of the fog and they think that's all there is and they live like that. They live in, in in a fog for all their lives. But when you say no, you know what? There's a God in heaven. He is, and He rules, and He sees over all this, and He's in charge of all of it. And and you start diligently seeking Him. What happens in your life is He rewards you. He takes care of you. He blesses your life. And it's always worth it. It's always worth it. Oh, listen, make the right choice. Don't choose the pleasure of sin for a season. It'll leave you empty and broken and sad. Choose God. He never will. Choose God. He never will. Now, last point. And this is important to us, right? Why did he do it? Why did he refuse a kingdom? Why did he choose affliction? Why did he choose to identify with the people of God? Why did he do it? Because he expected a reward. Now, some of you think that's kind of, well, that's kind of low. I mean, he expected a reward. It's not. God made you and I to expect a reward. We're not fools. You know, we're not good at being martyrs. You ever know somebody who's been a martyr? Right? And they're, they're, they're doing the right thing, and they're, but they're feeling so sorry for themselves, and, um, but they're doing the right thing because that's what they've chosen to do. And I mean, they're hard to be around, aren't they? Martyrs are hard to be around. God doesn't want you to be a martyr in that sense. God says, child, choose me. Choose my way. I have a reward for you that's going to make it more than worth your while. Do you know that? That if you could choose God and follow God and come to the end of your life and say, Mom, I wish I had enjoyed the world more because this thing sucks. You'd be making God a liar. Because he's got the Bible filled with promises of his care, provision, and blessing on those that choose him, on those that choose to walk him. Moses esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Now, what reward did Moses have? Well, he forsook Egypt, and we'll talk about that, what he did uh, next week. But he forsook Egypt and he chose God. What was his reward? Moses had one of the lives that was most significant in all of history. Can you imagine being the one that went in before Pharaoh and said, Pharaoh, let my people, God says, let my people go, and if you won't, he's going to destroy your country. Can you imagine that power? I mean, nobody in the world has that kind of power. President of America doesn't have that kind of power. <clears throat> Putin doesn't have that kind of power. But Moses could walk in before the superpower of his day and say, let my people go. And if you don't, God says he's going to destroy your country. And when Pharaoh wouldn't, God did. Imagine that kind of power. He became the leader of a nation. He enjoyed the prestige of leading a nation. It had its drawbacks, it always does. But, you know, more than that, Moses has a walk with God. He goes up the mountain. And he gets the law from God, and he comes down with the shine of God upon his face. 
He's been touched by the glory of God. He comes down. He's enjoyed a relationship with God. You know, he, he never made it into the promised land in his lifetime. But he did make it in. See, at the transfiguration, Moses is one of the characters that's there, and he's in the promised land with Jesus. Moses had a life like none other. You know what? He made the right choices, didn't he? And he hasn't begun to enjoy his reward yet. There's a new heaven and a new earth coming, and you know what? Moses is going to enjoy forever the choices he made. Now look, you may not be <clears throat> become a nation's leader, you may not get to stand before Pharaoh, but when you make the right choices, rewards are absolutely certain. When you choose to walk with God, when you choose to live for Him, when you choose to make Him your all in all, when you chose Him over sin and Him over the pleasure that the world can offer, when you make God the center of your life, you know what? You can expect a reward. God would be a liar if there wasn't reward in life. And God's no liar. And you can't see the reward because you're in the fog right now. All you can see is the six feet. But you know what? God sees it all. And he knows it all. And if you'll follow him and listen to him, he'll lead you into a reward that's greater than you can imagine. He'll lead you into blessing that you can't really comprehend right now. I love when we look at heaven in the Bible and see what it says about it, but the truth is I really don't know what gates full of gems look like. <laughs> I think it must be absolutely marvelous. But I don't know what it looks like. You know, roads that are paved with gold? I mean, I can't get that in my head. But it must be really marvelous. And what God is talking about in heaven is he's talking about things that we can't even comprehend. But you and I are going to look at those things and we're going to say, I am so glad I made the right choice. Moses is so glad that he made the right choice. Moses is so glad that he chose to do what he did. But do you know this about Moses? Moses hadn't got half the revelation you and I have. What do I mean by that? I mean, Moses didn't understand like you and I do all the things about God because he didn't have the New Testament. Now, he wrote a bunch of the Old Testament. He wrote, you know, the, the first five books, but he didn't have the New Testament. He, he didn't see the cross. He didn't see the love of God. He didn't see Jesus. And, and all. You know, he, knew, he, he knew there was a plan. He knew it was a wonderful plan. He, he was looking forward to it, but, but he didn't know. And you and I have the revelation of the New Testament. And then we have the Holy Spirit within us. You know what? I think we have more than Moses had. I think we have more to go on than Moses did. But ultimately, in the center of it all, there's this thing called choice. You and I are going to choose. Are you going to live for the world, or are you going to live for God? Are you going to choose Him and live for Him, or are you going to live for what you've got right now and what you hope to get in the next few months? You're going to live in the fog. Is that going to be your life? Or are you going to choose Him and see Him leading you out of the fog and into blessing and reward like you can't even imagine now. 
What are you living for? What's important in your life? How do you spend your time, your money, your effort? What's important to you? You see, you've got to choose. One day Moses had to sit down and he had to say, well, I chose Egypt. I got this and I got this and I got this. And, but if I choose God, I got this and this. Oh, that's a much better choice. And he chose. And the choice he made dictated his life and will dictate his eternity. And the choice that you and I make will dictate our lives and will ultimately dictate our eternity. And really your choice is, am I going to live in the fog? Am I going to live for six feet? Am I going to live for the little I can see? I'm going to live for the pleasures of sin for a season. I'm going to choose to live for God. I'm going to make Him my all in all. I'm going to spend my life diligently seeking Him. You've got to make a choice. Young person, you've got to make a choice. It doesn't happen. You know, you, you don't become a Christian because you get raised in a Christian home. There comes a day when you choose Jesus Christ as your Savior, and if you haven't, you need to. By the way, if you're here as an adult and you haven't chosen Jesus Christ as your Savior, this, that, that, that day comes when you need to choose Him. You need to say, Lord, I, I, I'm choosing you as my Savior. But there comes a day, too, when you need to actually choose Him as your all in all. You're going to go His way. You're going to seek Him. You're going to live for the reward, for the big picture. You're going to stop living in this Six feet of fog. And you're going to live for the big picture of what God has and what God can do and where God can lead you. You're going to put your life in His hands and you're going to let Him lead. That's what Amram and Jochebed did. That's what Moses did. That's what all these people that walk by faith did. And the heart of it all is this choice. Is there more? Yeah. But you know God initiates and God works in your life after that. The heart of it all is this choice. As we close this morning, the question for us is, what are you living for? What are you living for? Are you living for the here and now? Are you living to be happy right now? Are you living for what you can have right now? Or are you living for Him and for the reward He's promised? I guarantee you, if you choose Him and the reward He's promised, He's promised, you will never be ashamed. Let's stand for prayer.